Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Open your hearts. Loosen your butts. It's, it's time, time for, for Couples, couples therapy. therapy. Yeah. This podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situationships and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, or feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's everyone and welcome to couples therapy my name is andy and i'm naomi we're a real life couple a real life couple of comedians and on couples therapy we answer a couple different questions from a couple different listeners i am back <laughs> i'm back baby <laughs> naomi i am back i mean not fully i haven't started exercising again because i'm terrified of whatever's going on inside my but body but you guys we did kiss for the first time four days ago <laughs> we kissed on the lips so i said okay well you you better be back because I just kissed you on the mouth. So. After I got out of quarantine, Naomi, you did not kiss me for days. Like a couple days. A couple. That's because days. That's true, but I, I it was a day. It wasn't, it wasn't day. It wasn't day. But days, you know, when you say it with that emphasis, it really makes it sound like, you know. It wasn't week. It wasn't day. But it was days. <laughs> that you were scared. Scared well, I just smooch. was very unclear. I just felt like, how could I do this and not get COVID? Mm-hmm. You know? That's why I didn't understand. You know? Especially because the whole time we kept talking about how science is a ballpark. So, anywho. It is a ballpark. I stand by my days. That's a great way of <laughs> phrasing it, right? It's not It's not that it's a uh, underground layer. It's not that it is a 
uh, technocratic dream world. Okay. It's a ballpark. It's a ballpark. So the fact is, we're back into our lives. The sheets have been cleaned. The animals are um, all commuting as the one again. amount of laundry I did. <laughs> I left quarantine, what, Wednesday? Was that my last day? So Thursday was my first day back in the world. You did laundry Thursday and Friday? I did laundry all Thursday and Friday. There is still... T-shirts yeah, in are, the dryer. Oh, dryer. Okay, well, welcome to my world. See, I be leaving stuff in the dryer. Now you understand. When you really wash it, it's like, do I have to go get it? It's dry. Can't I just, you know, use the washer as a hamper and the dryer as another closet? <laughs> Why not? I'm missing so many items of clothing, Naomi, because of your... Because of what? Because, because of, uh, let us say, your your methodology, your <laughs> laundromat methodology, has has rendered a number of my 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 uh, shirts and socks, mostly socks, mostly somewhere socks. in a kind of uh, laundromatic Bermuda Triangle mm, of nowhere. My God, this is laundromatic poetry. The things you're saying, my <laughs> I just methodology, wish I had, my Bermuda Triangle. Just wish I had a synonym for laundromat <laughs> or laundretic. <laughs> <laughs> is that a word? How many of our friends... This is... Naomi, it's coming. Coco is coming for everyone. How many of our friends are getting it now? Oh, boy. We're just trying to stay strong. We're trying to stay strong. But you know what helps this pod, okay? Yeah. Coming together, friendship. You know what? We get into it on the page. Yes. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, yes. the We, we just put out the September episodes. <laughs> yes. Two episodes back-to-back. <laughs> September episodes drop on October 1st and 2nd, okay? You'll have to forgive me. I was, you know... Uh, lying in a, a pool of my own sweat for days on end watching Reservation Dogs. So, right, you know. right. But we dropped it. And if you want to join the page, if you want to catch up on what's going on in our lives, more than just the 10 minutes we chat up top, go to patreon.com slash couples therapy pod for just $5, baby. You get two bonus episodes a month. And I'm telling you, it's always me and Andy spilling tea. That's what you get. Except okay. for the one time where we invited Bridger Weiniger. That's true. We had a special guest. And sometimes we'll have a special guest, but only when it's something so... Amazing. Something that preoccupies our brains for so long that we say, we gotta give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up to the missus. That's the queen of Christmas. Maybe we'll put that one out on uh, around Christmas. Yeah. yeah maybe like that, drop that again, maybe yeah. on the main. Yeah. Drop it on the free feed because it really is holiday themed. I mean, yeah. that song is the Christmas carol of our time. Yeah. But uh, so maybe look forward to that. But if you want to not be looking forward, you know what I mean? <laughs> As Rhonda Glickman says, better to be looking at it than looking for it. Sign up for Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Couples Therapy Pod. Now, one more thing I have to plug before we get to our luminous, magical guests. I got some shows coming up, y'all. All right? I want Wherever you are, if you are in the vicinity, please come out. You know your girl don't need a house much. So, <laughs> you know, as much as supporters you can bring would be lovely. In Los Angeles, Friday, October 21st, I'll be doing my show at Largo, where I have all the comedians I would love to see, and also doing a set of my own, Friday, October 21st, 8.30 p.m. Then, if you are in Vermont, the Vermont area, hey, if you're in the area, you don't mind a drive, come to Vermont Comedy Club in Burlington, November 11th and 12th. I will be doing two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. This is going to be my first time headlining in a <laughs> long time, so trust me, you're going to be in for... I'll say a treat, but definitely an experience. Okay, I'm going to tell you that. Then, if you are in New York, November 17th, that is a Thursday, I will be doing two shows at the Bell House, 7.30 and 10 p.m. I'll also have some special guests. I'm cooking up some fun ones. Just one little one for your ear holes, Alana Glazer. Okay, okay, I'm not going to say too much. 
but I'm bringing in some fun friends. I'm also going to be doing a nice long set. So if you want to get tickets to that, go check out the Bell House's website for November 17th. I'll put all the links in the show notes. I'll put the links notes. in. I'll put up my link tree on I'm my IG finally. In the show notes. So I'll show put the links. Bless you. Also, wear your goddamn masks. Wear your mask to these shows. If you get my Naomi sick. Thank you. If you give her COVID, I will track down. I'm thinking about doing it for that Apple Emmys party. I'm thinking about getting the hacking into the Apple website or whatever. Hack in, hack in. Which should be easy. They're yeah. only a giant tech company, a yeah. giant trillion dollar no, tech no, no, company. No, no, no. The phones heat up. Get, get in there. <laughs> get the guest list mm-hmm. and then cross check mm-hmm. it with Instagram to see who, who is mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. I stand by this, okay? And then, yeah, you go to any venue I'm at, you cross check, okay? Largo requires masks, and that's why it's a safe space. Everywhere else, I am kindly asking that you wear your mask because you know your girl be trying to work, she's trying to travel, she's trying to be around her high-risk mother, so I can catch it. Dollop does it. When the dollop tours, they say masks required. Honestly, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I know y'all sick of hearing about the cocoa. <laughs> Who ain't? I'm sick of talking about it. But you know what? This shit's still here. Okay, let's pivot because we got to talk about our guests. Oh my God, because this, this, was, was, this, this was, was great. This, this was, was a fun one and it was requested. I feel like people have been asking us to have these two on the pod and it finally happened. And we recorded, this is the last one we recorded before I got cocoa. I right, think. so this is from the befores. This, you've already heard their dulcet tones, honey. We have Jinx Monsoon and Ben De La Creme. Mm. You know them both from Drag Race. You know them from the Jinx and De La Holiday Special, which you can catch on the road this winter, November, December, January. They are all around here. So go to JinxandDayla.com to check out tickets. Maybe they got some left, honey, because you know they'd be going fast. You can also watch the Holiday Special on Hulu. I mean, this is a real get. Mm. Real mm. get. Drag race icons. I learned a lot about drag. You did, and you did compare it a lot to indie rock. And so that, (laughs) I think, is a very fun run. I want to just, like, hang a lantern on that so that when you guys listen to it, you'll be like, what? And it's like, yeah. That was Look, Andy was trying to connect, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So without further ado... Roll it! (laughs) Before we started, Dale, you said you filled with anxiety. Is that correct? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but that's just sort of a general state of being, so uh-huh. don't feel special. <laughs> no, we don't feel special, but, but you also said you were like, but Jinx is fine. And so I'm like, okay, is this the dynamic? Yes. Is no, it's, this the friendship? Yes. No, we're, I'm playing one truths and one lie. It's uh, Jinx is also riddled with anxiety, I can uh, assure I'm, you. I'm always riddled with anxiety, but quite recently... Um, Quite recently, I have gotten on new medication, which helps the anxiety feel manageable rather than earth destroying. (laughs) That's a big shift. That's a big shift. It's it's really nice to feel like I have a manageable amount of stress and anxiety and not feel like um, um, Atlas holding up the world on my shoulders, which is Mm. who I convinced myself I was, you know. Mm. Why not? Why not? Someone's got to do it. (laughs) Well, Butrin, Lexapro, Abilify, what are we working with now? We are on Lexapro, Mm -hmm. Propranolol, and Prep. Mm. Prep, honestly, just like having that ticked off, it's like... um, um, that helps with my anxiety too, because you know, um, it's one more thing I don't have to worry about in my day to day slutty life. 
<laughs> Ooh, day-to-day slutty life. Oh, what it is to be young and full of energy. I think we're the same age. I know, and yet for some reason you've got time to be... I said, wow, the energy to slut. That's energy. The being energy out in these to slut. The being Listen, out in these streets. I schedule it in. There's slut blocks in my schedule <laughs> because it's it's an important part of... You know, being human as well. <laughs> it's true. Generally, when Jinx and I meet up on the road anywhere, she, like, ahead of time lets me know what <laughs> periods are blocked out for sluttiness so that I can plan accordingly. Okay, that's when you take a walk around town to go to a bookstore. Or <laughs> well, it's generally when I do the I do the preparatory work for our, <laughs> for our writing, for show? For our writing for sessions. Uh, okay, so I'm getting a, a, a picture of the dynamic. But, Taylor, you're in a long-term relationship, right? I am, yes. My partner and I have been together for seven years. Do you know, I was actually saying eight, and then I realized I was wrong. I For a full year, That's I had been sweet. saying, we're working up to eight years. And then it was our anniversary this year, and he said, you know it's only been seven, right? Are you just, <laughs> is this drag queen hyperbole? Nope, I was wrong. <laughs> That's sweet, though. You were like, I'm so in love. I'm going to add another year. <laughs> well, it could go either way, right? Like, it was a positive thing, but it could be like, oh, wow, it seems like we, we got that right. <laughs> <laughs> true. I round up because I like the number. I'm like, we're like, our anniversary next year will be 13 years. So I'm like, oh, we're wow. almost at 13 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, our, it's well, almost our relationships bar mitzvah. I started uh, I started practicing saying I was 40 the entire time I was 39. It was like, <laughs> you know, so. Um, now, where did you guys meet? We met in Seattle. Um, oh, the two of us? I thought yeah. we were going to talk oh, wait. more about our... <laughs> Jinx and I, or... <laughs> yeah, you and Jinx. Do you mean Dela and Gus, or Dela and Jinx? Jinx and Dela, where'd you meet? Where did it the all answer, begin? The answer is Seattle either way, so take your pick. Okay, great. Perfect, perfect. We'll go back to love, but I just want to know where this all started. <laughs> this. Where your friendship well, started. Yeah, so... Um, uh, we've told this story a million times. I'm so, so sorry. Don't don't worry. We'll just like <laughs> we'll give you um, the couples therapy exclusive version of the story. Okay, thank which God. means Dela, tell it differently than you ever have before. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin. It's such a well worn path in my mouth at this point. Um, yeah. So uh, Jinx was. I had been performing for years in uh, Seattle, and I was mostly performing uh, like in the burlesque and cabaret scenes. Like so in the drag world and there was a great drag community there but i wasn't working with them as often and then suddenly can i ask sorry can i interrupt what years is this i want to know like is grunge uh (laughs) just hit the scene (laughs) yeah 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 this is 92 no um (laughs) jinx what year was it well, I graduated from college. It was right after you graduated. Okay. 2010. And you had started working there like while I was in college in Seattle. And as a side note to the story, it, uh, my favorite teacher at school had been telling me, there's a drag queen on the scene. You got to study her. You got to learn wow. from her. She is like setting the bar for drag right now. And it was Ben de la Creme. So the name was in my brain wow. before we ever met. 
And I, you know, I, for whatever reason, was started seeing Jinx just popping up on my social media, which was, what was that then? MySpace Friendster? I don't know. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was something about her that even though I didn't know anything, I was like, I really want to check her out. And so I saw her make a post about a show she had coming up, which was at a uh, Starbucks at wow. four o'clock in the afternoon for free. And we love it, it was... <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, it was, I was like, what could possibly be going on? And I walked in and it's like, you know, it's like a little cluster of folding chairs around a Casio and, uh, and I sit down with my friend who I went with and they, Jinx and Major enter the space. Major is, uh, Jinx's musical partner and performing partner. And they blew my mind. They did an hour long cabaret show in, you know, sunlight streaming in the windows, coffee grinding in the background. <laughs> and it was just one of the best things I've ever seen. And it went on, it was, it was an early incarnation of the Vaudevillians, which had multiple off-Broadway extensions years later. And um, I turned to my friend who I went with and I said, I need to start working with this queen or we are going to become bitter enemies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was really about like, keep her close. I got to keep yeah. her close. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's kind of how it started. Yeah. And when she, she introduced herself after the show and handed me her paper business card. Oh, <laughs> cardstock, cardstock. Let's be real. <laughs> was it a real business card? Like I made up was, fake business cards that were like, said I was a, a, a amateur sleuth. No, these are and real. Then, this was real, <laughs> and it had this stunning picture of her um, with a beautiful hat on and, like, holding a cigarette holder. But on the end of the cigarette holder was, like, a little bluebird. <laughs> and I just remember being so impressed by this drag queen who had business cards. <laughs> and then I looked at the name, and it was Bendela Cram, and you remember this name was already in my head. Right. So I was very excited that I had made a good impression. And it was long after that she started asking me to guest star in shows that she was producing like her um, annual holiday show and then soon me and my um, music partner Major Scales were like playing parts in shows that she had co-written and co-produced and granted you know like she had never shared the stage with a drag queen before <laughs> um, in her big productions uh, uh, well another like um another drag queen with a penis. She'd share the stage with um, female drag queens, um, but not, uh, you know, gay boy drag queens. The point is, she let me on her stage, but I always had to play the soot-covered orphan or (laughs) the, like, crazy next-door neighbor and stuff. But from that, um, uh, developed our, our friendship. And... You know, in early days, like, she had friends telling her that, like, it was an all-about-Eve situation and that I was <laughs> befriending her to inevitably replace her. But it's that true. never happened. <laughs> that never happened. But I did learn so much from her, like, very much in, like, an Eve Harrington, uh, Margot Channing way. <laughs> I learned so much from her that she was always simultaneously my drag sister and good friend, but also kind of my mentor. Mm. So, like, to this day she is like my sister my peer my colleague my friend but also kind of like my my mentor life advisor guru wow which puts a lot uh i mean like there's a lot of angles to our relationship and we know (laughs) that it's all about hitting those angles correctly (laughs) knowing your angles i know your friendship (laughs) i know 
I'm like okay like this, but the minute you see me in like a three fourths profile, it's. it's I know you hate a three fourths. You hate a three fourths. I hate a three fourths. I can't take it. It it really destroys my body dysmorphia. Really like floods out <laughs> at, at that three fourths profile. But like, wait, forgive my ignorance. There is a drag indie rock scene, basically. Like that. Like when you say that, like four o'clock performance at a Starbucks makes me think of like an indie rock show. Like I would go see a punk show in a basement somewhere, something like that. Well, both of us in Seattle were doing drag on the fringes of the drag world. Okay. Like, Dela's work was um, mostly in burlesque or self-produced. We were both doing one-woman shows in the th- one-person shows in the theater world. And then my music partner and I were mostly playing, um, like, variety shows and cabaret shows in, like, restaurants and indie theaters and stuff. The Starbucks gig was literally because because one of our friends who had booked us at a lot of different gigs got a management job at that Starbucks. And let's be fair, it was a Starbucks pretending not to be a Starbucks. It's true. Seattle has a lot of those. Yeah. So it was, it was fashioned like a local coffee shop, like Central Perk. (laughs) It was very Central Perk, but it was called Roy Street Coffee and Tea and there was one little decal in one little window that said, (laughs) owned and operated by Starbucks. But our our friend... (laughs) Our friend had been um, commissioned to kind of bring in local entertainment to give it more of that local... Um, coffee shop feel, and that's how Major and I ended up doing our hour-long vaudeville drag cabaret <laughs> show in the middle of a Starbucks in the middle of the day. That was like corporate drag. I I have never even thought to ask you why that happened. I was so obsessed <laughs> with the fact that it did. I just realized that I never cared why that was happening. <laughs> it's an incidental detail. <laughs> Um, but you guys are talking about, you know, Dela being on the fringes, Henny, this idea of like on the edge of the scene. Um, well, now, was that by choice or was there a feeling of not fitting in to the more popular, I guess? Was that by choice sure. as well? Well, <laughs> by the feeling? The- I don't like <laughs> the feelings like, by choice. You can first, like, look, there was a long time where I still tried to like hang out with like and like play football with my friends and stuff oh, like gross. that. I'm just like, I'm like, eh, maybe this is not for me. There was a, so like, even if I had the feeling that I was on the fringes, I still like, do you know what I mean? Well, I think you can feel like you're on the fringes and not be. You can feel like you're on the fringes and actually be. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's like, how do you choose it? How do you choose it? You know what I mean? Well, you know, I mean, the way Jinx describes it is maybe like different than it felt to me because well it's because I feel like we were on the fringes just in that we were really following our own paths and our artistic inclinations which didn't necessarily look like what was happening in the drag scene like I was really into the sort of um camp theater drag tradition uh, you know the cabarets of uh, Barley Jean Merman and Coco Peru, the plays of Charles Bush, and that was not something that was happening. So I just was like, okay, well, I'm going to produce sh- shows that look like that. And I predominantly worked with folks in the world of burlesque because I had that background. But Seattle had this really cool kind of uh, – 
there was there was a lot of crossover in the scene when I first moved there, which was 2007, and there was uh, contemporary dance and circus arts and um, drag and burlesque and stand up comedy were all kind of happening in the same spaces. Okay. So when I moved there, it was really inspiring, and so um, you know, I it was. I mean, I just kind of started making the work I wanted to be a part of because it didn't already exist. But um, I felt way more like a badass than an outcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And that's all to say that we, you know, like we also were performing in the nightclubs and we were a part of the drag scene. But where we were known and where our talents shown the most um, were we're not in the traditional drag realm. You know, like w- we dipped in and out of many communities because we were working with burlesque theater, uh, working in nightclubs and doing parties. I mean, we did our fair share of like um, parties called stank or like <laughs> <laughs> puppy hour. <laughs> puppy hour. Oh my God. Bear hunt. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. When you're doing this, is it with a an eye towards mainstream success? Like, cause that's the thing I think of. I think, I think what, what you're doing is analogous in my head, at least to like Andy rock in some way. Right. And you either like, I'm happy with where I am or mm. I can sign like death cab for cutie and we can sign to, uh, Arista, I don't know what they're on, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, we can sign to a larger, you know, were you like looking for that when you were doing this stuff? Or is it just like, oh, that path opened up to you both? I think if I may speak for the two of us, you can try. <laughs> I think where we've gotten to quite recently is just um being very dedicated to putting out the kind of work we want to see in the world and keeping our artistic and creative vision as intact as possible, which means playing a lot of the roles ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like um, in our holiday special and in our holiday tour, which we are gearing up for once again, um, Dela plays the role of producer director and co-star and then we co-write co-create and um co-birth the show together um and so even though we work with a expansive team of really wonderful dedicated people who also want to make sure this work gets out into the world um we keep a lot of the ownership and creative control. And I think that is really like what we are striving for more than commercial success or like indie rock fuck you success. <laughs> what we're really striving for is authenticity and being genuine in our work and, and being like and creating work that we feel proud to put out there. And I think that bonded us early. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, we both started drag long before drag race was a thing. And now, right. you know, drag can be seen as a path to fame and fortune. But right. when we started doing it, you had to love doing it so much that it you would do it in spite of the fact that you would never be rich or famous, you know? Right. So right. Right. it just came out of that kind of passion. And I, I never thought that it would be a viable career. But, you know, I think things, it becomes viable when you care about it that much, you know, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. weird to see culture catch up with you? <laughs> no, 
it's a relief. It's like thank God because otherwise, otherwise we've spent quite a bit of time doing this. <laughs> now a warning. <laughs> I think it goes a little both ways. Like I mean, I definitely agree with what Jinx is saying. Like we have these opportunities that who would have imagined, and it's really really awesome, and it's cool to see the more widespread acceptance and understanding of this culture. And at the same time, there's part of me that really misses like the scrappy down and dirty old yeah. days, you know? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Because I was thinking, I'm like, there are like, there are certain like indie rock fans. Again, you this metaphor. And your indie rock drag comparison. <laughs> <laughs> just because like this, just because the way they described coming up in Seattle, where I'm just like, oh, there are similarities. And I'm, I'm like, there are bands that like did not change their style. And just, it just happened that culture, the moment, like, they got uh, a moment. They, they got the, a moment. The moment raised them on on the wings of its back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the moment's doing a lot. You know, you're comparing uh, drag to indie rock a lot, but I would compare it more to stand-up comedy. Mm. Because stand-up comedy, I feel like, if I may assert this observation... But you do stand up because you love doing it, not because you think you're going to get famous. Because there's so many stand ups and so many people going for that. Um, that, and then if you do get famous, then your humor becomes more broad because you're playing to a bigger audience. And then you probably miss those days where you got to try out new material on an audience of like 40 people who are there because they really love comedy. Mm. So I, I, I think there's a lot, uh, the more I learn about stand up comedy, the more I feel like, oh, that's, that's just like what drag queens have also always been doing. We are very lucky in the fact that drag race provides a platform to share what you would be doing locally and independently. Mm-hmm in a global way. And that's something that both Dayla and I have been very appreciative of that, you know, we have both now each done a season of drag race and each done a season of all stars and what better way to put a demo reel out mm-hmm. into the world of like what we are known for. And so combining our experiences on drag race, our dedication to the kind of work that we want to see. And then, having the kind of like conviction to say, well, we'll just self-produce it and we'll write it ourselves and we'll put it out into the world and see how people respond. It's all been a perfect storm for us to, to take this farther than I think either of us ever saw possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll say this. You can't do stand up at 4 p.m. at a Starbucks. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can. Yes, you can. I've done it. And it was a web series, which is even worse. <laughs> even worse. That there is footage out there of me walking into a coffee shop being like, hey guys. No, Andy, the answer to both is you shouldn't do drag <laughs> or stand up, but you can. You can. I also like just want to clarify that this was not like this show was a high-concept cabaret act in which Jinx and Major are singers and entertainers from the 1920s who have been frozen <laughs> alive and have just recently thought out and are now reclaiming their original music that has oh all the God. popular music we know is stolen covers. It is the most complex idea. <laughs> And that's what was being delivered over the sound of lattes brewing. Wow. God, that's that's magical. I love that. Roy Street coffee and tea. (laughs) Well, and what I have to say about that is the one thing that makes me sad about 
Okay. It's a double-edged sword because I see where drag is at right now and how people are being able to start doing drag from their bedrooms. And then some are even going straight from like learning drag from the internet, teaching themselves. And then their first real gig is RuPaul's Drag Race. Like that's fucking happened now. So they bypass and it's like this sign of progress where you can bypass some of the horrible, horrible shit that we went through mm-hmm. to do drag before the world was ready for drag to be celebrated. You know, the horrible like conditions we worked in and the ways we had to advocate for ourselves and fight for ourselves. The younger generation are getting to bypass a lot of that trauma. But in that, they're missing out on some of the experiences that help make you ready for a, a career and a life in entertainment. So I don't wish them the trauma, but I do wish them some of the life experiences that I gained by starting from the fucking bottom Bottom. level. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. You've got to get that scrappiness and more important, (laughs) you've got to know who you are. And I think the moment, like it's so amazing how quickly, you know, the moment you start doing this thing as a real job and you have to Mm, produce, mm -hmm, you have mm -hmm. to produce for other people, you know, it changes the game. And so if you don't know what who like what you have to say and how you want to do it like deep in your bones you're gonna end up just like doing the shit that like well people really like that video so i guess i keep doing some version of that until eventually people are like we done seen this you got something else it's like well no i haven't had time i've been trying to please you like it's really tough and young queens all the time are asking us you know like how do i get into it how do i get started and you know how do i succeed at it and i really the answer that I give is always some version of the same thing, which is don't, don't pay attention to what you think is popular or cool, because that is not, you know, going to make your voice unique or authentic. You know, mm-hmm. it's that if you are just trying to do what you're seeing working for other people, you're just going to fade into the background, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. If, if I could give a real life example, when I did season five of Drag Race, I felt like you got to know... Jinx the artist who creates the drag persona a lot better than the drag persona I had always played. Hmm. And then post season five of Drag Race, I felt like that's the jinx that I had to deliver. And I don't have as much fun being offstage jinx on stage. You know, mm-hmm. like on stage jinx is a vain, egocentric, uh, alcoholic, um, sex addicted bitch you know that's I play her that way because that's that's what energizes me yeah and offstage jinx is only sex addicted <laughs> <laughs> so when I felt like I had to give people the behind the scenes mm. jinx on stage I kind of lost sight of why drag was fun for me and that's when I kind of like got over it and I was like irritated by my job and I was drinking too much and honestly, when I, when the pressures of being the winner and when it had been far enough away from my season of drag race that no one was like looking at me to be anything really, mm-hmm. then I got back to doing the drag and the work that I have the most fun doing. And that's when I started to experience this like steady incline that led to 
me going back on All-Star 7, and you can see that, like, on All-Star 7, I was, like, very galvanized because I had been spending years doing the work with Dela that yeah. I actually really enjoy, and you it made us. me a better artist. Yeah. You stunned us. <laughs> True artistry, jaw-dropping on the IG. <laughs> jaw-dropped on the gram. I said, How? How? <laughs> uh, what about your romantic relationships through this whole process? Well, like the process yeah. of like of like scrappy, you know, we're doing these <laughs> drag shows in in Seattle all the way through uh, Drag Race, and, and then to now. And like, I know Drag Race maybe doesn't shoot for a long time, but it is. I, I've heard that it is the most intense process. Like it seems like it's very much like turn off your phone. You don't interact with nobody else mm-hmm. for all that time. And oh, not just turn off your phone. Like we're taking your phone and throwing it down a well. Like it's okay. like, they are the, not. Yeah, they baby jazz around. ahead. I get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, your phones are baby jazz, and you just have to focus <laughs> on winning and sort of, you know, through all this. Like what were you, well? I just I'm curious. What were your romantic relationships like in these stages, right? Because you met Gus seven years ago, right? So, so that's like seven. Don't ask me. I've been wrong for an entire year. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, God. Well, I don't know. I mean, when Gus and I met, we were. I was on tour all the time. I mean, when we first started talking, it was actually on Scruff, and um, we were chatting back and forth, um, and sort of. I mean, I was out of town so much that we it took us like, I don't know, weeks and weeks and weeks before we actually had the opportunity to meet face to face. So we were just making each other laugh over text and stuff. When we finally, you know, wound up going out, we realized that we'd just been walking in the same circles. He lived a block away from me. We had all the same friends. We'd been at oh, all wow. the same parties for years. So, um, you know, but those first few years really started with us seeing each other fairly rarely and just talking all the time. And that was kind of a cool way to build a relationship, really, you know, because it's, you are just, I don't know, there's there's something about that not being able to be there with each other that, mm-hmm. like, sucks, but you're in this, you're getting a very specific kind of communication. You're sharing a very specific time of your, or kind of your, uh, aspect of your heart and mind, you know? Um, so, uh, and then at some point, I mean, I think what oftentimes happens with drag queens and their partners is, uh, we started working together, you know, cause that's the way, um, but we put it off for a long time. I mean, we, yeah. we definitely were like, no, we need to be autonomous humans before we start to meld. But now he co-produces with me. We travel together, you know, Jinx and I are on the road with him a lot as well, um, it's a little bit of a sister wives situation. I was gonna yes. ask, you know, if this is a if this is like a group relationship well, at this point, considering how long <laughs> you guys have been together. Not romantically, but mm. when we when the three of us are on tour together, Gus has two wives. Yes. And <laughs> um my husband Michael and I uh have been together three and a half years. And is he and British? He is very, yes. very British. Okay. He's so British. Um, <laughs> He and I met at a point when, you know, like my career was definitely at a very good place and I was very happy with it. And I basically had decided that I was like, I'm, I was so happy being single and I was like, kind of, you know, I was just kind of really like growing fond of myself and growing proud of myself in a way that I hadn't been in a long time. And so, I think with Michael, 
there was no time or energy for pretense. <laughs> and I had learned some bad dating habits where, and I think Dela has witnessed some of this, where I very much had tried to, in the past, been be the person that I thought the person I was dating wanted me to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the same way I was talking about with audiences and stuff. I was very much performing the me that I thought I had to be to have a boyfriend, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I relate. Je relate. Je relate. <laughs> yeah. And with Michael... We also were long, like, we've always been long distance. We've always been open. And I have every, at, at every fork in the road where I've had the opportunity to just lie or hide something from him because I think it might be easier on the relationship, I've chosen to talk to him about it openly. And that has made the hugest difference in this relationship compared to any other relationship I've had. And so he and I are completely direct and very, very honest. That doesn't mean we don't have our own things that we keep to ourselves, mm-hmm. but anything relationship wise, we've always tackled head on. And it's the only way, way we've been able to, you know, make a, make a long distance open relationship <laughs> work for three yeah. and a half years. And any day now he'll be moving to America and living oh. with me in Portland. And we'll f- imagine after a year and a half, I might actually live with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> what made you make that choice to, instead of like hiding things, communicate? Cause I'm assuming you're saying that in previous relationships, you decided to hide things as opposed to like openly communicate. Yeah, like in previous relationships, I decided, you know, to hide, you know, things that were important to me. Like for me, being non-monogamous was important. And just because that's who I realized I am, Mm -hmm. you know, and and or hiding things that annoy me about the other person, (laughs) you know, like, oh, I can't tell him that I don't like this because if I tell him that I don't like this, he'll break up with me, you know? Right. It's not necessarily like seedy, unseemly <laughs> things, you know? Sure. But even then, it's like, um, you know, like, uh, since we're open, it's like we talk... Uh, we don't immediately like <laughs> we don't immediately call each other and be like guess who i just fucked but <laughs> i mean sometimes we do but it's more so it's more so that like if there's if something weird happened and i feel like it's important to discuss it with him i do it even though that feels uncomfortable right. and basically it's just kind of like that's what works in my friendships. That's what works in my business relationships. Dale and I, you know, we're not best friends because it comes easily. We, we work at it and we make the decision to work at it and we make the decision to tackle the tough conversations head on. And we have a lot of very like, <laughs> it's like, Hey, I need to talk to you. It's one of those talks, you know, but because of that, we've gotten to a really strong place in our relationship where we trust each other implicitly. And I just applied that to my relation, my romantic relationship. And guess what? It's been the best relationship I've ever had because there is no like guilt or shame because I, anything that could cause guilt or shame in the relationship, we get out of the way. We make the decision to do the hard work and have the awkward conversations so that that guilt and shame doesn't come between us or grow into resentment resentment's Mm. the killer of a relationship oh yeah Mm -hmm. now now have you guys both like you know in your lives just have you gone to therapy is 
therapy? Because it sounds like, you know, you have this communication with each other. And Ben, there's a real, like, calmness to you that implies, like, perhaps you grew up in a happy home or something. Oh, dear And I'm just, like, wondering, you know, have you done the work? Have you done the work? I, I grew up in a happy therapist's office. Yeah, no, I, um, oh, yeah, no, I mean, my, my childhood landscape was not fun. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I've been in therapy since I was 13. And I recommend it to anyone and everyone. My partner and I are in couples therapy. I'm an individual therapy. I if there were more kinds of therapy, I would be in that. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it so incredibly valuable. And I do, you know, I mean, one of the things I was thinking while Jinx was talking was I was just thinking about no, I was, uh, (laughs) but I was thinking about the way that she was talking about applying some of what we have figured out in our friendship to her romantic relationship. I think Jinx and I, I think I can say accurately that we are both workaholics and that the fact that there is a work relationship between us that really, it's like, well, we can't blow up and stop speaking to each other because we have things to do, you know? (laughs) There's like a task-oriented thing that I think has really made us do the hard work when that did feel harder of figuring out how to tell each other when we were mad, when something was wrong, how we were feeling. And now that's gotten much easier. And I think I've been able to also bring that to romantic relationships because it is like when there's that, that work driven thing, it's, it's a little bit simpler. And I think one of my favorite things about being an actual therapy is realizing that you know, your dynamic with your therapist, with your friend, with your with your partner, it's only within that dynamic can you really work through stuff. Like, I can talk myself in circles in my mm-hmm. brain all day, but until I figure out what it is to bump up against somebody else right. and then dig back in and say, okay, why is this setting this off? Um, that, I think, is where the real insight starts to come. And this is a perfect example of how Dela's been a friend, a peer, a colleague, but also, you know, um, very uh, inspirational in my life. I'll say inspirational because Dale has always talked openly in her work about mental health stuff. I mean, it's through a comedic satirical lens, but it's there, you know, it's always been there. And then as a friend, she's always been an advocate for therapy. And I grew up, I didn't go to a therapist since I was 13. I grew up in a family where it was very much like, you take care of your own problems. And we take care of that within the family. And the one and only time my mom ever suggested I go to a therapist, it was a religious therapist. She's like, I'll I'll take you to go talk to a nun. And I was like, that ain't happening, lady. (laughs) So, um, so, I've only like recently, you know, within the last like six years started in therapy myself. And I always say therapy and witchcraft is how I get through the obstacles in my life because they kind of pick up where the other one uh, leaves off or they work really well together for me. (laughs) And I've gotten to that place because of Dela being honest with it. Honest about it in her work and honest about it with me as a friend. And now I'm putting that kind of stuff into my work. And now it's kind of a, a joint mission statement we have to always be advocates for doing that work, taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally. And it, it's fun to find ways to work that into your work when you're telling dick jokes, you know? When, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I, I share my philosophies through dick jokes and, yeah. and in your face, uh, 
potty humor, you know? <laughs> yeah, Freud did that too. <laughs> okay, this feels like a really good time to start helping people, okay? Because we got some <laughs> questions that we need to answer, okay? Yeah. And now that yeah. we know where y'all are coming from, I think we can get into it. So let's take a quick break and then we'll be back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Can we take a minute and talk about Skims? Now, you know I'm a recent Skims convert, having tried their underwear in the last few months, and I am now living lifted, supported, changed. So I decided to keep trying new stuff. And let me tell you, Skims Basics and Foundations are where it's at. Yes, I recently got the Soft Smoothing Seamless t-shirt. And y'all, it is so comfortable. It's been the perfect layer for me. I'm rocking it under a cardigan or a sweater when I want to keep it fitted and fabulous and not look all bulky. I mean, y'all know I'm back to work. Hashtag blessings. And I'm definitely that girl who is always cold in the office, okay? I need my layers, but I'm still trying to look put together. And the Soft Smoothing Seamless shirt is helping me get it right. And I also got the boyfriend t-shirt in Heather Gray, and it is so friggin' soft and comfortable, and it's giving casual but intentional when I wear it with a pair of jeans. I'm feeling very good in it. So if you want to give these and other basics a try, shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small through 4X. Thank you for the range, Skims. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's skims.com. Go check out everything they've got and the new t-shirt shop. Jinx Monsoon and Ben De La Creme, honey, here to help you handle your scandal. Now, we are talking to two people who have had some therapy, who are doing the work, who are going to be honest with us. Okay? So just be ready. We get questions from Instagram, Twitter, Gmail, voicemail. This first one. <laughs> Anonymous from Instagram. <gasps> okay. 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 I'm a big fan of their work. <laughs> yes, and and they have. I, when I looked at their profile, they did have the Guy Fox, Guy Fox masks on. <laughs> Hello, I need advice. Why are you screaming? Exclamation mark! I'm reading it as they wrote it. I'm reading it as they wrote okay, it. Okay, you're performing the text. I've Thank been you. dating a man for about six months. I really like him. We've met each other's kids. I've met his mom. He said, "I love you." Uh, parentheses. I fell over a wall while formulating my response, and I've not said it. End parenthesis, etc. While plugging in his phone one morning, here's the turn. Uh-oh. I saw an Instagram alert for an account that was not the one that I knew about. 
I did the barest amount of digging and discovered that he has been using a fake last name with me and my friends because if you Google his real last name, you quickly learn that he was convicted of fraud in federal court and sentenced to four years in prison. I confronted him about these findings. He made a good apology. He came over and told his story. He maintains his innocence. And sorry for the laugh. He maintains (laughs) his innocence and did, in fact, avoid prison time due to some questionable dealings from the federal prosecutors. Oh, Lord. Who is this? Uh, He he thought he was going to lose his kids. It was traumatic, etc. So I understand him not telling me immediately. Was this Alan Dershowitz? I don't think he went to prison. I think he made a deal. This is what this guy is saying. Okay, continue. Continue. (laughs) I'm just trying to unpack this. I do, however, have a problem with six months of dating, meeting mom, etc., and still keeping a secret. And the fake Insta? What the hell? So now, of course, I'm all anxious and wondering what else is a lie. Does he have a job? Is he actually divorced? (laughs) What's the long con for? Not money. I'm a public school teacher. My question then is, where do I draw the line between being empathetic and believing that this is a man who has been through some shit but is trying to rebuild and be good versus being self-preserving and saying, I do not have time to be second-guessing everything you tell me in this life and Mm. cutting this guy loose. Hmm. Some background. I'm out here in the dating hellscape (laughs) to begin with because my ex-husband was a liar who tricked Mm. me into moving far from my job and friends just so he could conveniently abandon me with an infinite two-year-old and marry some girl in her 20s literally the day the divorce went through. I'm out here trying not to lose faith in men, but dang, do they make it hard. Okay, (laughs) thanks, guys. Love you. Wow, okay. Anonymous is coming through. Talk about needing to get honest. Jinx! (laughs) Jinx, what's the lo- what's the craziest lie you've withheld from a lover? Was it fraud? Was it prison? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, God, I used to lie about being a drag queen. That's <laughs> I used to say I'm a cabaret performer, and that's as far as I got. But um, okay, I. I was expecting like I'm a cat person. He's a dog person. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a lot. I. I feel like I want to let Dela field this one, okay. but I, I want to take a crack at what I think. I think it's perfect. It sounds like this person has some past trauma with being lied to. So this person needs to first decide, if they haven't yet, decide where their boundaries are and, and decide if their boundaries have been transgressed. Right. And then my next thought would be sometimes taking a break from a person allows you to realize if you really, 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 really miss that person in your life. And then if you're going to decide to do the hard work to get over the way that you feel that you've been hurt by this person. So I have a best friend in my life. We took a year away from each other. Hmm. And then when we decided we really wanted each other back in our lives, we had to do the work, but it was worth doing the work because we wanted that person back in our life. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think this person has all the right thoughts, you know, like if this person is trying to overcome mistakes they've made in their past, you should, you know, like allow that person the, you know, trust that that person had, like we are allowed to overcome our mistakes, but you're also allowed to set your boundaries and decide if those boundaries aren't being met, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and then I think, you know, 
w- once you've answered those questions for yourself, then maybe that'll help clear some things up. Dela? Yeah. <laughs> Lord. Uh, <laughs> that, that really is a doozy. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that, like, to... I think everything Jinx is saying is right on. I think that I would expand the thing of you get to decide your own boundaries to that you it is your job to decide your boundaries. Uh-huh. It's how you take care of yourself, but it's also what you owe to a partner. And, you know, maybe this person is not the person for you, but, you know, in all of our relationships, we're you know, either figuring out how to move forward in this relationship or we're practicing for the next one. And that thing of needing to set your own boundaries, um, it's it's not fair to you or the other person to let them determine them for you, right? Mm. It's And because that resentment piece that Jinx is talking about, right, where we get resentment is when we, you know, anger is somebody crossed my boundaries. Resentment is... I allowed someone to cross my boundaries. And huh. um, and so you can't, if you have not established anything with someone, if you have not said where, where that lies, um, then they don't have anything to work with. So as much as, I mean, obviously there's the bigger thing of do we trust this person? How do, mm-hmm. But there is no objective way to do that, right? There is no, there is no linear right and wrong here. We take our best guess. We get hung up on like trying to make a decision where we know what the outcome will be. We never do. So the best thing we can do, I think, is really establish for ourselves where that lies. And I think beyond that, you just, it's all just a leap of faith and some stuff turns out well and other stuff sucks, but (laughs) at least you will have grown in order to move into your, your next situation. Yeah. Now, Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna ask, like, it is such a weird thing. At what date do you tell the person I was convicted of fraud and, uh, the only reason I'm not in prison is because the prosecutor fucked up discovery or whatever they like. <laughs> I don't know enough about the law to know like what what kind of indiscretions the prosecutor did. But like, I have a, I have a take. Okay, I got right, no, no, but hold on. But I'm asking. I'm like, ready what, uh, from that other person. Well, this point is what view, I'm saying. What like I don't I that is it's such a weird thing. It's not like it's a like sexual kink, and then you're like, well, I'm gonna like have to like. I like I like it when you sit on cakes or whatever. Like you're not you like you're gonna gonna wait like three weeks to say that one or something like that. But but see this is what this is my answer though. I believe six months is way too long to not have told to not have told you that. I'm actually gonna not even think about your ex because we can't let the past relationship inform the current situation. Mm. So it could be, for instance, why you're particularly worried about this and like Am I doing it again? Is basically what it sounds like you're asking. Am I doing it again? Am I getting another liar or something? But I think that you writing into us is the answer. You don't like it. You don't like it such that you wrote to your favorite podcast host. And you said, is this fucked? Yeah, it's fucked. Because I think that especially... If the, if this person does believe, I mean, if this guy believes that he was innocent, that he was, you know, just in an unfortunate situation, why would you withhold that? Also, you know, you out here with a different last name? No, 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 no. You need to be bringing all of this, I think, like, two months in. 
It what because because I'm because I understand needing to assess whether or not you like someone enough to reveal, right? If you're like, okay, I see a future, or I don't. So it, I'm not saying this is something you bring up on the first date, but after you feel close to a person, you start making future plans. You got you got to bring it up. You got to bring it up. And I think six months is too long. Six months is too long. He's saying I love you. We don't even know who's saying I love you. Is it his real last name or his fake last name? Who in love with you? We don't know how many identities he have out here. I'm living. <laughs> I'm All right, this is this is a way better answer than talking about the nuances of boundary setting. <laughs> no, I, I agree good. with you. No, no what you we guys... said was bullshit. You're right. <laughs> Fuck that guy. No, this is good. You guys were giving us kind, gentle, strength based <laughs> approach. Well, I just want to know, like, what this is. This is the question that I have. What is the line between having empathy for someone and being like, this person is not good for me or they could be potentially dangerous for me i think you can have empathy for a person and set your boundaries and say it's it's all about being honest with yourself and the other person um and it's like this like what dayla was saying you can have empathy for a person and feel like your boundaries are being um Uh transgressed Uh and say I have empathy for you. You're not the right person for me, but I don't think you're a bad person. And I hope that you do find the right person for you. You know, I mean, like the relationship's not going to work if, you know, um, if boundaries are being set and then not adhered to. And if you're finding out, even if it's like after the fact, you're finding out, oh, I found out that a boundary for me is everything this person just did. (laughs) And like Dayla said, maybe you're practicing for the next relationship. And then maybe, you know, going into your next relationship to say, I need honesty from the get-go. So if you and I are going to work at all, let's get it out in the open. And like I said, it's a decision to have those awkward conversations. Right. But, and you don't know the outcome of those awkward conversations. So you are taking a risk, mm-hmm. but the reward for the risk that you take is a relationship built on truth. So you know that in the next relationship on the first date, you have to ask about fraud and if that's the real <laughs> last name. Exactly. Have exactly. you ever committed a felony? That's the. <laughs> I would like to see your birth certificate, social security card, and other legal documents. I will proceed to Google these names and see what I come up with. The other thing I will, the other one thing too, it does depend how long ago this all happened. Because I was just looking at the letter and I was like, is this, is he like, you know, a year out of all this? situation and grappling with how Mm -hmm. to communicate with people about it or is this something that's happened like a few years ago to me if you set up a whole new ig you're like trying to be a new person i don't mean that in a um, sketchy way as much as maybe it's like a revamp way Mm -hmm. um right they weren't part of the savings and loan scandal in like 1987 (laughs) exactly so i think but i think it's like i i think i think you know and i think that it's so it's true what Jinx and Daylight have said in terms of being able to have empathy, but also say, I can't have this boundary cross because I it's just not for me. This is the this is one of the things for me. This is one of my things. I'm gonna stop talking. We've got to do another question. We gotta do another question. I'm so mad. Fraud? I was not ready for fraud. I think the only way that they could stay together is if they have like one of those like we're just gonna be radically honest. We're gonna have a conversation <laughs> and just be radically honest about everything, and that way there's no surprises at all coming down the pike. 
That's the only thing I can think of. But otherwise, I don't think it's... Or just start lying to them more so you're on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should commit some financial fraud. (laughs) I just can't believe... I mean, this person is saying that they met the guy's kids, mom. I'm like, none of them slipped up? None of them slipped up? Those were just some kids that guy found. (laughs) (laughs) Or he hired. (laughs) And And that makes me think that maybe it's less about the passing of time because time can be so relative you know maybe it's not like two months in you have to do this or six months in it's too long maybe it's like if you've crossed some milestones and you still haven't already like talked to this person like what's the point of meeting the mom if you're gonna have to do it all over again with a new last name (laughs) (laughs) exactly all right i think this one should be a little Less. <laughs> Less federal prosec- prosecution vibes. Yes. Here we go. Hey, Naomi, Andy, and illustrious guest, uh, longtime listener, first time caller, CTQC member, uh, he can pronouns. I have a script <laughs> so that I do not go over time. Um, I have a two part question today. Um, what is your best heartbreak recovery advice? Um, I asked because I am recovering from a bit of a heartbreak and would love your tips. Um, Secondary question, which is a little more anxiety-inducing to ask. Um, if you uh, love someone, they know you love them, uh, and they love you, but not like that, um, how do you go back to just being friends mm. to that normal kind of friendship love um, and not the romantic one that you um, fell into? Um, long story short, we didn't have sex, but did a lot of cuddling hand-holding, forehead kisses, um, but he is in love with someone else. So how do I go back to just being friends? Um, uh, Love you both. Love the show. I'm sure I love you as well, illustrious guests. Look forward to all of the upcoming uh, projects and hopefully your answers. (laughs) Okay, upcoming projects. (laughs) You get that support. It's beautiful. Um, Yeah, so why don't we start with the easier one, heartbreak advice. What do you... Yeah. You have any? How do you rebuild? I mean, you know, we were talking about mental health stuff earlier, talking about, you know, de- depression, anxiety. It, I mean, I think it's the same thing in some ways. You just have to embrace it and accept that it really blows and that, you know, it's like the the less you struggle against it, the less power it has. It's, it is just one of those things that I think you really have to allow the passage of time to take it away. But the more you try to fight it and not allow it to be part of your landscape, the more you stuff it down, the longer it's going to kick around. Mm. And it's just a really unfortunate part of life. But it is the... It's also that, you know, there is no light without dark kind of blah, blah, bullshit that none of us (laughs) like to hear, but is also the reality. Yeah. I think, you know, first you have to let yourself, like, give yourself permission to feel whatever you're feeling. And if that comes with a couple days of being depressed and having to lean into things that, like, pick you up when you're depressed, you know, like, uh, I had a breakup where for... <laughs> I had a breakup where for like two weeks, my MO was go to work, go to a bar after work, drink with friends, get a two liter of um, root beer and <laughs> potato chips, and then watch. Yes. And then watch King of the Hill, like binge watch King of the Hill while I ate baked lays and root beer in bed. But here's the thing. Jinx, is, speaking right to my heart. You've. <laughs> You've got to be honest with yourself when that 
coping mechanism is now becoming um, detrimental to your recovery. Yes. And I don't know how to explain when you find, like, you gotta be honest and self-aware. For me, it was when I woke up in a soaking wet bed because I woke up in a soaking wet bed convinced that I had pissed the bed because I went to bed drunk. Luckily, it was just that the root beer <laughs> I had tipped over in the night and spilled out in the bed, but that was enough. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, look at yourself. You're sleeping in a puddle of root beer <laughs> because you're upset about this breakup. Does that feel like the kind of person you are? Does that feel like the kind of person you want to be? And literally waking up in that puddle of root beer, I was like, I got to get over this. I got to get over. Next thing I did, I was having a rebound relationship, realized that was toxic, <laughs> cut him out. Then I was back to being your cool dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Ugh. puddle of root bear uh-huh. that just that hits me but also it's just funny because you literally are talking about andy's favorite foods and snacks he likes what he calls he calls a local soda he likes a local root beer like in a oh. new state what's the local right and the baked blaze because they're baked so you can have more yeah because you um, can have more <laughs> but you can but it's so true exactly where you're like you will hit a point when it just becomes too dark and you're like what am i doing with myself you have to hit bottom with with the breakup but also i would say this too i would say unfollow or block on social media like always your no matter if it's a heartbreak or not you always just tell people to block and i say mute live to mute that's me but i think you should just like just so that you are not constantly looking at that person and checking yeah. in and constantly being yeah. like, oh, yeah, unless that oh, helps he's you get living to your, a life. Get to your bottom. But I also think that this goes hand in hand with the second question of how do you move backwards? How do you move backwards? Like, you know, as Dela said, it's about time, mm-hmm. taking time, also taking time apart from that person. Yeah. I don't think you can be right up there the very next day like, it's cool, we're friends now because I've tried yeah. that. And it's just like, and again, that starts to get the resentment and you're stuffing it down and it's awkward and all that. Yeah. Um, that re- I think is tricky. The relationship will never change if you keep doing the same things you did while you were in the relationship. And I've seen so many couples try to be friends afterwards and they still live together and they still sleep together. And then they think they're going to like start a new relationship and have a normal new relationship while they're still in a relationship with their past partner. That's not, no, you've got to take the time apart. You've got to take the distance and then you will know how much you miss that person and then you will have to do the work to find out how this person can fit into your life in a healthy way in a new way but it doesn't happen like you said if you're right up against that person the next day you're not going to be able to turn off those emotions and we're not in control of how we feel and the only thing we can do is minimize our contact with the things that make us feel things we don't want to (laughs) feel And I think so often when somebody's like, how do we, how do you be friends with an ex? There's kind of two ways you're coming at it. It sounds like this, it's either, uh, how do I make my ex stop being in love with me because I just want to be their friend? Or like mm-hmm. this caller sounds like, how do I just stop being in love? Right? Mm-hmm. Like that sounds like what the question is. And the, the answer is a lot more complicated than the question is phrased. Uh huh. You know, it's like that, like you, I, I, you gotta, it's, you gotta take the space to move on, find other 
people of interest maybe mm-hmm. figure out how to get more satisfied by your your own life or activities i don't know i mean like that's a that's a bigger question of how do i not be in love with this person because yeah. the friendship piece it's like i just want to keep them in my life right like a lot right. of times i think we're like i just want to be friends what we really are thinking is I don't want to lose this person, but I'll kind of take whatever I can get. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, whether, whether it's a breakup or just trying to shift how you relate to people, you are the, – the process is of getting used to a new way of relating, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there is this like time component, but I was thinking as everyone was talking was like there's also this kind of like intentional – component to it where you have to i think sit there and i don't mean like write a diagram i don't mean like <laughs> on friends you don't mean you know when like it. ross wrote out a pros and cons list about <laughs> rachel or something like that right i mean but like think through maybe take a you know what i do when i'm trying to think through like a some script thing or some dumb thing like that i just sit on the couch i don't have any distractions i put my phone in a different room and i just sit there and i think through like okay what am i trying to do here and I think some of that, too, is like, what what do I want from this person? And how do I want my life to be where this person can fit into it, but I'm not constantly pining for them? And I don't go home depressed after we hang out because, really, I wanted to right. smooch up right. on them, right? And if the answer is – if you can't come up with a good answer – it might not be doable. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you just say, like, oh, like, when you really sit down and think about it and get quiet, it's like, I don't really want to be his friend. <laughs> and I've definitely had that with people where it's like – you're a crush. If I'm not crushing on you, I don't. If I, I don't want to talk to you. You know what I mean? Like when it's like that, and I and I think it's you know, yeah. But also it's like yeah, meet new people. Also, if you have been in like not all this doesn't always happen, but yeah, sometimes you're in a faux relationship or a real relationship where you forget about everybody else and you just all about that person. If you're doing that, let's go back to some friends. Let's scroll through the phone and see who have we forgotten about because yeah. you know we've been so deep into all this cuddling and forehead kissing, and I mean, just be like, let's connect. I actually did have a relationship that's very similar to what you're describing, where I was like very much in love with this person who was just we were very very affectionate, but it was platonic and never move and you know and i really was like i mean it, it was basically i was in the same position as this caller i'm like why didn't i start there i just remembered this but um but i mean we i just you know it was heartbreaking and we went separate ways for years and then we reconnected and are very good friends now mm-hmm. and it really that was just a time and space thing really because at our core we really did care about each other and connect deeply you know but i had to i had to go away and stop being in love you know uh-huh was it a conscious when you said you did reconnect? Was that conscious or was it like a meet, like a bump into each other in a club? Uh, no, I think it was. I think it was conscious. I mean, we you know we we run in the same circles, but it was you know we we realized that we really do enjoy each other's company, and we just sort of started reaching out and connecting more, and mm-hmm. realizing that yeah, that deep connection was still there, and we had shed that. That thing, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have the recipe for why that happened. Again, other than taking the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think you know, like part of being a sexually responsible adult is being honest with yourself about what you're looking for at this point in time, and then honest with anyone you interact with. And I'm putting this in like grinder terms, <laughs> so 
Um, this is like, I mean, this has been extremely helpful to me in my life, but I'm married. So I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for a new romantic relationship. I'm not looking for something with those kind of commitments. Um, and I am open. So I'm open to like sex with other people and I'm open to friends with benefits relationships. And that's what I'm most interested in. Like you, I call them sex friends and we are fully like, we are fully self-aware and consenting to that's what our relationship is. And we will be honest with each other if the relationship needs to change. And now, she's taking applications. <laughs> it's the jinx at- <laughs> now, now when I meet someone who's like, I'm not interested in you sexually. I would like to be your friend. Then I have to be honest with that person. I love that you want to be my friend. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but I would be a terrible friend because Uh I have a lot of relationships that I'm maintaining in my life. And, you know, um, I don't have the capacity to take on a, a new friend who just wants friendship. And that's an awkward conversation to have, but I promise like 90% of those conversations have been like, respect. Thanks mm-hmm. for being honest with me. I'm, I'm very, uh, respect. I, I respect when people are honest with me from the get go. Like when they say, I'm a fan of your work, but I'm not attracted to you sexually. I say, thanks for being a fan of my work. Have a great rest (laughs) of your day. Like that feels like an awkward conversation, but it's only as awkward as you make it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's that's what I've thought about my entire life. (laughs) It's only as awkward as you make it. Mm -hmm. I make it awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a great way to end. Uh, (laughs) Jinx, Dela. Jinx, Dela. Jinx, Jinx Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Coming with an open heart, a loose butt. I said singular, okay, between the two of you. Yeah. <laughs> you share it. After one of all us years. has an open heart, yeah. one of us has a loose butt. You have to figure out. <laughs> you be the judge. Dealer's choice. <laughs> Okay, guys, we <laughs> Thank will... Thank you so much for having us. It was really, really wonderful yeah. to be here. Oh my I'm God. so grateful that we got to deconstruct dating a, a bank fraudist. <laughs> oh my God, obsessed. That is... That's I did. a good one. I say what sometimes when someone when people are anonymous, I go, this is about to be juicy. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want to leave no trace. You got something good to say when it's anonymous. Okay. Okay, guys, we'll see you next week. Get back Bye. to work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.